Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. It's hard to be a lover of truth and yet at the same time witness the full-on assault that the truth is under. It's hard to stomach, isn't it? It's hard to get the truth from almost anybody these days. And, and, and you can, I could come up with a million different scenarios, but in general, I think that you know what I'm talking about. It's hard to get the truth from people. It's hard to get the truth from friends. It's hard to get the truth from family these days. Uh, it's hard to get uh, the truth from our leaders these days. Has anybody been watching the uh, embarrassment of the con- congressional hearings? I mean, I watched it for about 20 minutes. That's all I could do, all right? It's hard, all I could stomach. It's hard, to, it's hard to get the truth from our leaders. It's hard to get the truth from our teachers, even at, even at uh, public school board meetings. It's hard to get the truth from our government. I mean, you cannot even trust that you'll get the truth from the news media, and that's nothing new. That's not like I'm breaking news here. We've known that now for years. You can't even get the truth from the news media who their very creation and existence is supposed to give you the truth to make sure that the government isn't overreaching in their untruth. Yet you can't even get the truth from them anymore. Uh, The truth is under attack. And the truth is even under attack in the church today. Now, if you're truly a student of the Word of God, that doesn't surprise you either. The American church at large has largely grown apostate. The the church globally was, uh, in in most developed countries, ahead of our pace before it even grew so bad here. Uh, The truth. This is our closing message for our Wednesday night sermon series, What is Truth? And if you haven't been joining us, because I understand it's so beautiful, the sun doesn't even set until 7.30, even into the middle of summer, I mean, eight, what, nine o'clock, whatever, right? It's gorgeous outside. We've all got things to do, right? Just let me ask you this, okay? Uh, if you follow our ministry at all, or if you're uh, a member of our church, if you've missed these, this uh, message, what is truth? Go back and watch the other ones. Not right now in this moment. Finish this one first, okay? Stay with me. But go back at some point and watch the other messages, okay? I thought it was funny on, uh, on Saturday because, or sun, last Sunday, because we've been in some intense studies on, as in the days of Noah, studying angels and demons before that. And Diana, uh, crazy announcement lady, right? She said, uh, well, we, Chad, Pastor Chad does his more in-depth studies on Wednesday night. That's, uh, those roles have actually been reversed here the last few weeks. That is normally the case. But, but we've been doing some in-depth study on Sunday morning and I've been speaking more from the heart the last few weeks. So uh, if your heart is in this ministry, uh, I want you to know where my heart's at as as the leader of the ministry. So go back and watch those uh, messages if you've missed them. Tonight is the conclusion of this three-part series that I've had mapped out. What is truth? You know, uh, we start with we start with we started with uh, those famous words uh, of uh, Pilate's as he said to Jesus, "What is truth?" Right, as if it's something subjective. As he's speaking to Jesus Christ, who is the truth. The truth is not something that is subjective at all. It is not subjective as much as this world wants to tell you that you can have your truth, as we talked about last week. Uh, as much as this world wants to tell you that the truth is defined by circumstances, I can assure you it is not. The truth is defined by God, and the truth is the person of Jesus Christ, and this is his word. This is his word, okay? So we're jumping in tonight to part three of what is truth. The truth is this. Are you ready? The truth is this, we live in a culture that values convenience over virtue. Convenience over virtue, comfort over honesty. And honestly, 
It's shocking how comfortable our society as a whole has become with concealing and or withholding the truth. I think there's going to be something in here for some of you watching tonight. There may be some conviction that the Holy Spirit is leading us towards. I don't know. But the truth is that our culture has shockingly become comfortable as a whole with concealing and withholding the truth. And to be quite honest with you, with lying, with lying as well. Uh, can I see this next, uh, the first graphic tonight? Here's what I'm going to lead with tonight. Here's our first graphic tonight. So long as nobody gets hurt, that's what people tell themselves. So long as the ends justify the means, is the next one, right? So long as the ends justify the means, if either of these two things seem to be true, people are generally more likely to be comfortable with a lie. They truly are. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds familiar. Uh, the second of these two statements, so long as the ends justify the means, the second of these two statements, it should sound familiar to us, though. It should sound familiar to us. It's actually uh, not just a tempting whisper in the back of your mind. Uh, it's actually a famous quote. Do you know that? Can I see this next graphic for us up on the screen? Who was this guy? Are you familiar? If you're, I, come on now, I'm challenge you guys, challenging you guys to be engaged on the feed tonight. Somebody say, I know who that guy is, right? Who is, does anybody know? Show of hands on, on the feed tonight. Who is this guy? Machiavelli, what did he say? He said, the ends justify the means. It may not surprise you to hear uh, that this guy, Machiavelli, is widely, widely considered to be are you ready for this? The father of modern political thought. Is that not modern political thought? I, I don't, if it's not, I don't know what is. He also left us with a number of other quotes um, that may sound familiar. Uh, if you're not familiar with this guy, that's what I do here, right? I'm trying to arm you. I feel a calling in my life, in my ministry, to uh, arm the church with truth, with the word, with understanding. What do we always say? Know what you believe. What's more important? Know why you believe what you believe, right? So this is Machiavelli, uh, father of modern political thought. Here's a few of his other quotes. Can we see those? He said this, it is better to be feared than loved if you cannot be both. If you can't be both, it's better to be feared than love. loved. He also said, men judge generally more by the eye than by the hand. For everyone can see and few can feel. Everyone sees what you appear to be. Few really know what you are. Who? It's chilling. He also said this, politics have no relation to morals. I would say he's the father of modern political thought, wouldn't you? Sounds about right. I wonder, uh, well, I wonder how they came up with that idea. Now, let me uh, mention this as well. You may have heard the term before, false flag. Have you ever heard that phrase before? I know some of you guys have. The hands are going up all over li the living rooms across Nashville tonight, right? Uh, you've heard the term false flag. Well, guess what? Now, we know in general, if you don't know what a false flag is, just take a second and Google it, uh, but don't, don't close out the feed, all right? Uh, this was essentially Machiavelli's brainchild in the 1400s. 1400s through early 1500s, 1513, he wrote his famous piece. He advocated for a few things. He advocated for ruling through brute force, manipulation, and deception. Now, who does that sound like that we may have just studied quite a bit this past Sunday? Nimrod, perhaps, right? That jumps out to me. Of course, that's fresh on my mind. But ruling through brute force, 
manipulation, and deception. You know who that really sounds like? Every dictator of every political system that there has ever been in the history of the world until 1776. When this nation birthed the first government, truly, although it was built on many pre-existing ideas from Rome to elsewhere, truly was the first system that was intended to be ruled by the people. We, the people, employ our leaders. Flip the script, right? Yet every other, every other government prior to that truly came down to a dictatorship, monarchy. It was virtually a dictatorship, right? In other words, whatever it took to hold on to power, whatever it takes, once you have power, listen to me, there is no example in world history where you have given a government liberty. Your liberty gave them more power You gave them more power by giving them your liberty or pieces of your liberty. There's not one example where they gave it back. Yet for some reason, many in the country, many of our brothers and sisters as Americans today feel like we can sacrifice some liberty for a little safety and the government will give it back when COVID's gone. Friends, whatever it took to hold on to power. Morality has nothing to do with politics, including murdering family members, as a matter of fact. If you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. And I think that's what makes so many uh, students of history in America today so frightened is that so many are such poor students of history, yet they will shout down anybody speaking out against the political narrative of the ruling class and the elites. Anybody who speaks out, and even not even just speaks out against, but just says, well, maybe we should just pause for a second here, right? I mean, we are eyewitness to this. We are eyewitness to this stuff right now. Does any of it sound familiar to you? Do you think this this is maybe relevant to where we are? Does it sound familiar? Any certain political figures, perhaps, let me ask, uh, that we've come to know over the years or even over the months come to mind? While Machiavelli's influence is no doubt felt in today's political climate, I can't fail to credit another where credit is due. All right? Where Machiavelli taught the powerful how to hold power and make no doubt that's what the elites are doing today and they're using COVID-19 as their vehicle to do it, in my opinion. Where he did that, on the other side of this card is a gentleman that sought to overthrow said government. His name was Saul Alinsky. And if you've never heard of him, it's only right that your pastor should tell you about him. Can I see this uh, book, uh, this uh, next graphic? Can I see that? This is a book that he wrote called Rules for Radicals, Saul Alinsky. He was um, not getting political here tonight. Uh, well, yeah, I am, right? What do I care at this point? Uh, he was uh, Hillary Clinton's hero. He was a mentor of hers, okay? Let's just read some of his quotes out of this book, and let's see if this has any relevance to where we are today. Uh, Here's an excerpt from Rules for Radicals. Can we see the first one? He said this, What follows is for those who want to change the world from what, what it is to what they believe it should be. The prince which is Machiavelli's uh, famous book written in 1513, was written by Machiavelli for the haves on how to hold on to power. Rules for radicals, this book I'm writing right now, is written for the have-nots on how to take that power away. Let's keep going to the next graphic, shall we? Alinsky's quotes, uh, though seeking a different end, they sound familiar, okay? Let's read these next uh, few uh, points continued. 
He said this, power is not only what you have, but what the enemy thinks you have. Make the enemy live up to its own book of rules. Can I come back to me for a second on this one, okay? Does anybody else just get sick to their stomachs with the hypocrisy coming from the leaders of our country? It's, it, here's, here's a, it feels like this. Okay, so when you've got conservative, principled, uh, biblically-minded people in power, um, that want to accomplish certain things. They can't accomplish anything because the left is holding them to this, this standard that they say they've set for themselves, right? Then the political power shifts and there are those in power uh, who never claim to have that moral high ground because they, virtu- they, they simply don't believe that morals has anything to do with politics. So they are free of the restraints that they're putting on the other side. So the other side says, we are virtuous, we are moral, and, and, and the left says, you are, so you better stay to it, you better hold fast, and we're not gonna let you do this, we're not gonna let you do that, because it's not virtuous, it's not moral, it's not this, it's not that, scandal, scandal, investigation, investigation, and then the, the script is flipped, and they just get to run wild, because the right is never going to hold the left accountable for morals and values that they don't have. They never espouse to have in the first place. This rules for radicals. They literally wrote a playbook about this, people. He also said this. Go back to the, the picture. If you push a negative hard and deep enough, it will break through into its counter side. And don't we see that? I mean, that's propaganda 101. Push the negative, push the negative, push the negative. He also said, this is the last point, he said this, ridicule is man's most potent weapon. And oh, that's the one. That's the one, church. Listen to me, friends. Listen to me on this one, okay? The enemy of our souls knows that innately people are insecure. We're insecure. Why? Because we know that apart from the righteousness of Christ, We're not righteous enough on our own. We live in a fallen world, in a a fallen state. Nobody knows our sin better than we do, right? Nobody knows my shortcomings better than me. Well, maybe Amber, right? But certainly I know them better than anybody. And so do you. Everybody innately has a degree of insecurity. So So the play call here from the enemy is to seize that, okay? Ridicule. Ridicule. If you will talk down to somebody in general, by and large, there is far, a far more a likely scenario that they will shrink back and feel like they're exposed and shut their mouth. And that's exactly what they want you to do. Shrink back, shut your mouth, and walk away. That's their playbook because they know innately People are very few and far between is the man or woman who will, when they're, when they're ridiculed, stand up and say, who are you to ridicule me, right? Can we be honest on that? Are you somebody that does that? Well, are you somebody who is able to accomplish that? Uh, are you somebody who's able to accomplish that when you're caught off guard? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I have a hard time with that. I'm a person who generally, even though I know all this stuff, I still innately expect the best out of people. And when people are just outright awful and ridiculing or derisive, it catches me by surprise. And oftentimes I'm the guy that says nothing in the moment. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have said this, or I wish I would have said that. Anybody else? Is that just me? I don't know. Well, I know it's not, I know it's not just me. I know there are people out there who are ready for a fight and they're looking for it because they know what to expect. I just... I'm one of those who isn't quite there yet, I guess. But I know some of you are, and I'm encouraging us all to get there, okay? None of us are saved by our own righteousness. We are only saved by grace, by the gift of God. But guess what? 
So when somebody comes after you, I mean, we've just got, we got to let go of our old failings. I think we, we hold on to our failings too tightly sometimes. Like we know Jesus has forgiven us of our failings, but we still hold on and identify ourselves with those failings. And we should never, we should never identify ourselves with our failings, with our sin nature. We should be identifying ourselves with our Christ consciousness, which is basically, you know, some, uh, you know, Gnostic-influenced churches want to make that a whole another thing, but a Christ consciousness just means I am conscious that of the fact that I am approved before the throne of God. I can stand before God as approved because when he looks at me, he, I'm, I'm conscious that Christ's righteousness is covering for me and making up the deficit. But ridicule is indeed man's most potent weapon. It truly is. In any argument, the majority of arguments that I may have either been a part of or witness that go south fast is when ridicule and derisiveness enters the conversation. Generally speaking, it wounds and it shuts down one person and maybe they, maybe they fight back and try to do the same thing. But at that point, there is no longer any profit made from the discussion. Now it's just a who can hurt who and who's going to come out, who's going to come out on top. And if you really care about a person in any relationship, you don't care about coming out on top. You just want truth to prevail and relationship to be restored, right? And that's a whole nother sermon. In any case, I make all of these points to say ridicule is indeed man's most potent weapon. It most certainly is. One more thing on rules for radicals. One more thing. In the foreword of this book, this genius game plan of, of what truly is the elites, the globalist, the, uh, I don't know what else to call them. You know who I'm talking about. This is their game plan, uh, written by Hillary Clinton's hero. In the foreword of this book, he wrote this and left this. If you're not familiar, I think you'll find it compelling. Can we see it? He wrote, lest we forget, at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement to the very first radical from all our legends, mythology, and history. And who is to know where mythology leaves off and where history begins? At least he's got that right. Of course, for the uh, unspiritual uh, in his audience, he includes mythology and legends. But he throws in history. At least he's smart enough to say, but who knows where where one is and where the other is, right? He said this, an over-the-shoulder, an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement to the first radical known to man. Who is the first radical that they are honoring who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer. An over-the-shoulder acknowledgement of the first radical. What a thing to dedicate your book to. What, a, what an angel to dedicate your book to, huh? Now, they'll say, they'll say, if you bring this up to any leftist, they'll say, well, that was a joke. He was, it's a joke. Tongue-in-cheek comments, right? Not so sure myself. The reason I'm going into all of this tonight is to try and frame your perspectives. I spend so much time trying to frame perspectives, don't I? I feel like I'm exhausted trying to do it. I'm trying to frame your perspectives because it's imperative that you understand the context of the times in which you are living. You must understand the context of the times in which you are living. This is the mind of the spirit that rules this age, his own kingdom. These prevalent ideologies are the enemies of truth. And their prevalence in our government today. There is so much, so much. Church, I said this a few weeks ago. I said, you know, there is no such thing as R&D anymore. There's so many people on the right that think they are the conservative virtuous party. The people on the left think that they're the, the virtuous, compassionate party. It's, it's, it's all a trick. 
It's all watch the other hand. Hey, watch this hand, what I'm doing over here. While over here, I'm, I'm literally shredding the Constitution. And it's been happening for at least 100 years. But really, I say since the beginning of the... The Republic has been under, under assault since the beginning. And the truth under assault since thousands of years before that. In every government, in every institution, the truth has been under assault since the beginning so why should, be, we, we, why should we be surprised? There's no such thing as R&D anymore. Now, there's a few people in government that I think that they mean what they say, say what they mean, and I generally try to support them when I hold that opinion, okay? But I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, the Republican Party that claims to be so virtuous and the the religious, whatever, whatever. I mean, it's mostly infected at this point. I mean, I don't care what, you, what side you thought. Let me say this. I don't care what side you thought the good guys were on. You can't just trust a representative because of the letter behind their name. Oh, well, they're conservative. Oh, well, they're compassionate. It doesn't, you can't just trust them because of the letter anymore. There is only one side to be on, and it is the side of truth. The side of truth. Wherever the truth is, that's the side you need to be on. And it's not a blanket. And no, no one side owns a, uh, a patent on the truth. Every single individual has a choice to make whether they will stand on the side of truth or stand against the truth. There is a battle of light and darkness that is being waged all around us, all around us, on every level, uh, every day, life and death, truth and lies. There is some good news, though. Uh, can I see this next picture? I saw this uh, earlier this week. Uh, there is a... <laughs> There are some doctors that are standing up right now and speaking out. Over 5,200 doctors at the time that I printed this, uh, took the screen capture of this. They are levying charges of crimes against humanity and suing the establishments uh, for crimes against humanity for denying early treatments, these, these early treatments for COVID-19 that have been proven to work. There are doctors. The machine, by and large, there is a machine in this country that is a multi-billion dollar machine that doesn't care about you and me. However, within the, that machine, in the apparatuses and in the tentacles of that machine, there are working just people that are good people that see what's happening. And regardless of whether they are going to get fired or not, like that poor general, I can't think of his name right now, but he spoke out and tried to, to say, hey, why is nobody being held accountable for what's happening in Afghanistan? Our higher-ups, we have failed. He took ownership himself and but said, we have failed. You know, there should be accountability, but there is none. Now he's being held in the brig for stepping out of the line, for speaking out of order. When... That is just not American. That, goes, that flies in the face of everything this country was established to stand for. And we should be outraged. You should be outraged about that. Well, thank God these doctors, 5,200 of them now, have signed on to the petition to stand up and bring this lawsuit. So that's some good news, right? It does make me think of Luke chapter 12, verse 2. Can we see that? And this is our, this is, we're going to get into the hopeful side of the evening tonight because Luke chapter 12, verse 2 says this, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed nor hidden that will not be known. The time is coming. The time is coming, church. Make no mistake. The truth will have its say. It will. I'm not a prophet, so I can't, t I can't tell you when. But I can tell you that the word of God says that it will, and it will. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't retreat. Don't let the tactics of the enemy who deride you, that 
speak to you condescendingly. Don't let them, don't, don't fall into a shell of insecurity and retreat. Do you hear me? Let me encourage you. You are bold, you are brave. The Lord has, has given you every weapon you need for battle. So stand firm in him. Don't lose heart. You should not be surprised by this struggle. You should not be surprised by what we're seeing, especially if we truly do live in the hour of history that I espouse we do, I believe we do. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. Can we read that together? Matthew writes the words of Jesus. He said, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end what are those words? Maybe the three most important words in the Bible will be saved. Look at, let's look at the same chapter, verse 32 through 36. Let's look at that. He writes, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Verse 33. But whoever denies me before man, him I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Verse 34, do not think that I have came to bring peace on earth. And this is a big one. I get, I get heat all the time for talk. Isn't my rhetoric so hateful tonight? Aren't I being so divisive tonight? This is the crap that I, get, that I hear. <laughs> Let me just lay, they say, that's not Jesus. Jesus is just love. Jesus, is, Jesus wouldn't talk like that. Well, let me show you how Jesus would talk. Can we see that again? Verse 34, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Verse 35, for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. And how sadly true has that become in this hour of history? We definitely know how this feels, don't we? Am I the only one who has people who I love who are dear to me that have publicly chastised me for standing for the truth and standing for Jesus. How many of you are the weird one in the family yet? Show of hands. Are you the weird one in the family? Are you the conspiracy theorist? We'll just tell your family, give it six months, right? How many of you are the intolerant, small-minded one at work? Hmm? How many of you have been ridiculed? Never forget, it's the spirit of this age that is warring against you. You're not just struggling against your relatives or in-laws or immediate family or colleagues at work. You are struggling against the spirit of this dark age. It's a spirit of de deception. It is a spirit of deception <clears throat> that influences the people who are deriding you. They're under an influence. They're under an influence. So you know what? Pray against that spirit. Can we be in unity and agreement as brothers and sisters in Christ that we are gonna pray for the very people when we speak the truth and we are derided for it, we're made fun of, we're ridiculed for it, we will pray for those who are ridiculing us because they are being influenced by the spirit of this dark age. Whether they are aware of it or not, you should be aware of it because it's right here. Jesus told you to expect it. As a matter of fact, pray against it and pray for them. Matthew chapter 5 Verse 43 through 48. 43 through 48. Can we see that? Have it right here. You have heard, you have heard that it, 
was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Oh my gosh, can we just back that up? Spitefully use you and persecute you. Have you been spitefully used? Have you ever felt spitefully used and persecuted? Good Lord, I have. It was good news. If you have, it just means you're doing something right, okay? Verse 45, that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his sunrise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors who were wicked do the same? Verse 47, particularly wicked because they were Jews who were persecuting their own kind for money and gains of the Romans. So it was a special, a special kind of betrayal. Verse 47, and if you greet your brethren, only, only what, only, if you greet your brethren only, excuse me, I was lost. What do you do more than others? What do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do that? Verse 48, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. You shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Oh, church, it is obviously easier said than done. Obviously easier said than done. But the Lord has them here for a reason. And he has plans for the wicked. He has plans for the righteous and he has plans for the wicked as well. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 through 30. Matthew writes, Jesus told them, verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Verse 25, but while someone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Verse 26, when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Verse 27, when the owner's servants, when the owner's servants came to him and said, sir, sir, you don't, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? Verse 28, an enemy did this, he replied. An enemy must have done this. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? Verse 29, no, he answered, no. Do, <laughs> he said, no, 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 he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, and this is important, you may uproot the wheat with them. They may not understand. They may be new wheat. They may be new believers. Let me conjecture that. Verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my storehouse, my barn. The weeds were sown. The weeds were sown. They were sown in to that wheat field. Into the, vision this. Wheat field. God's wheat. You're his wheat, right? Within you, in your field, sown in, sown in, subversively, was an attack. An attack. They steal, think about this. What do the weeds do? They steal from our supply, the earth, the nutrients, the water. They steal from our supply what was meant to be our water, sun, or whatever. They even choke out then, choke out some of the other weeds. What a good analogy. 
God has a plan for them. Make no mistake. God has a plan for them. And honestly, it's a plan that you should fear for them. For them. The word is clear. The fate that they have ahead of them, you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. To be at the very hands of the wrath of an angry God for what they have perpetrated on his beloved children and on his own son. There is a fate in store, a fate in store for them. Like I said, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. And so Jesus says, pray for your enemy. He therefore says, pray for your enemy. I believe that what we are witnessing in the world today is that both the wheat and the weeds have grown tall together. And I believe the believers of this age that are connected with the Holy Spirit, truly the believers of this age that are looking for his soon coming, that are looking for the truth and standing for the truth, that are, that are taking the attacks of the enemy, willing to stand there, willing to be persecuted for the sake of the truth and for the name of Jesus, those among us have grown tall and strong. But guess what? The enemy, the weeds have grown tall and strong. They have harvested the water and the sun and the nutrients out of our field for so long, and they have also grown strong. And so we see their boldness, and we see it nightly, if you care to. I don't bother to watch those channels. But that's where we are, I believe it. I believe it. I believe that we, the wheat and the weeds have grown very tall together, which leads me to also believe that the harvest is near. If the wheat and the weeds have grown tall together, the harvest, listen to me, friends, must be near now more than ever. You must understand that it is imperative that we be advocates for the truth for our own sake, but also for the sake of those who are being choked out by the lies and the deception of the weeds. I believe that there are those who have put their trust and hope in Jesus Christ, truly, but the weeds with their lies and their deceit are choking the life out of them as they rob them of their nutrients, water, and sun, as they rob them of the truth, as they withhold the truth from them. Listen to me, if you are a believer, especially if you are among our fellowship at Life Story Church, we are calling on you to be somebody who will stand for the truth when will not, especially this, withhold the truth. It's so much easier sometimes in our life and in our relationships just to keep your mouth shut and withhold the truth. Save yourself the ridicule. Save yourself the argument. I'm calling on you right now to not withhold the truth. That's what they do. Do you understand me? Now more than ever, if the harvest is near, Jesus is coming for his bride because he's coming for his church. Guess what? Oh my gosh, my wife pointed this out. I, you gotta have a wife like this if you're not married is my advice for you, right? She came to me and said, you know, I was thinking. She said, you know, one of the, the biggest arguments I get from other Christians is when I say, I think Jesus is coming back soon. They say, no, it's... It's still going to be a long time. It's not bad enough yet. This and that. Well, guess what? It's pretty bad. And if the church weren't here restraining evil, imagine how, how much worse it could get very quickly. Okay? Let me just say that. But they say, you know, Christians, they'll say Christians have always thought Jesus was coming back soon, haven't they? I've got a whole piece on it. Well, there's third kingdom of Israel. I'm not going to get into all that, right? Um, that was never, the, it was never here. So we're the only generation that can say that, right? It had to be here for it to be close. But you know what's never happened in history before this happening right now? 
not only are Christians worldwide who are in tune with the Holy Spirit saying, I think Jesus is coming back soon. Not only is that happening, but you have got the weeds, the wicked weeds declaring that the great reset is here. It's time. It's the fourth turning. The great reset is here. It's time for monetary reform. It's time for medical past cards. It's, it's time for... It's time for the mark. It's time for a one world order. The P, uh, MP of uh, Australia saying, well, people just need to get ready for the new world order. The mayor of Chicago saying, well, people just need to get ready for the new world order. The, the World Economic Forum saying, well, people just need to get ready for what the one world order. If we're that close to revelation, we must be close to Jesus's return. <clears throat> just saying. Not only are believers thinking, we have got, I, I feel like we're close. The weeds, the weeds are saying, it's here. And that should wake you up if nothing else wakes you up. Listen, listen to the adversary's words. I was watching a program and Amber was trying to look for this comment for me and we couldn't find it, but I was watching this program and Tom Horn, who is a deep studier of all kinds. If you don't know who Tom Horn is, he does some fascinating work, some fascinating studies. He's got Skywatch TV and whatnot. He said, and I'm just going to parrot it. I wish I had the comment, the thing, but I saw it. So I'm an eyewitness. He said, there are Catholic priests right now who are doing exorcisms and they're all reporting Many of them, anyway, are reporting. I, don't, I can't quote him exactly, but he said many of them are reporting that when they cast the demons out, the demons during the exorcism are saying that their chosen one is here, which would be the Antichrist. And you, on top of that, you throw in what the Pope is doing with his new Chrislam Jewish center that's opening in 2022. If you don't know what that is, it's, it's in the mainstream media. A one-world religion formed of Judaism, Catholicism, and... Uh, the Muslims. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up anymore. It gets to a point where maybe we should look up. <laughs> maybe, maybe instead of being afraid of what we're seeing happen in the world, we should be getting excited that our blessed hope is soon to arrive. Amen? Oh, church. Now, 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 more than ever, I said this before, we have to be advocates for the truth, for our own sake and for the sake of those who are being choked out. And honestly, for the sake of the weeds themselves, because Jesus would have it that none be lost, even a weed. He'd rather them, he'd rather transform them, if, he, if at all possible. Hmm. for the sake of the weeds. Because they don't hear truth. They can't understand truth, you understand. It's like a foreign language to them. Have you noticed this? Have you ever watched uh, a debate on TV? Political debate or a debate of these talking heads on the political shows? They'll want to have a conservative on one side and then a, a leftist on the other side and they debate and there's just no reason to be had. It's like you're speaking a foreign language. And guess what? There's a reason for that, actually. And Jesus gives us that full explanation if you're struggling with being frustrated by that with anybody in your family or your realm of influence or even just watching TV. Jesus tells us to expect that in John chapter 8, verse 31 through 47. So let's just take a look at that. Uh, do we have that up? Negative? We're down. We're down on that. So you, this is where it, it comes in handy to have your Bible when we do Bible studies, guys, right? So John 8, 31 through 47, write it down. I'm going to pause briefly while you find it. Take a drink of my coffee. Verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said this. He said, if you hold to my teaching, the Jews who believed him, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Verse 32, then, then you will know the truth. And guess what? The truth will set you free. Mm, amen. Verse 33, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants 
and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Verse 34, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, I tell you, very truly, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So who's that cover? I'll wait for the answer. All of humanity, okay? That's who it covers. Verse 35, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And this is the idea we try to accomplish with the idea of Life Story Church family. We have a family page. We want to be a family church. Make you a part of a family, the kingdom of God, because that's what we all are. Verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed because you belong to the family forever. Verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me. Oh my, my. Because you have no room for my word. Verse 38, I'm telling you, what I have seen in the pre Father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your Father. Let me rewind that. He said, I'm telling you what I have seen in, my fa in the Father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your Father. So the Father and your Father. Abraham is our father, they answered. Jesus. Jesus, the promised seed of Abraham's line, when God led Abraham out of the tent, led Abraham out of the tent and said, look upon the stars and recount. That word in most Bibles says, count the stars. Really, the better translation is recount the break it down into the Hebrew, and it means to retell the story of. He says, look at the stars. Retell the stories of what's in the stars. The Maseroth, the zodiac that was corrupted in Babylon was originally the Maseroth that told the story of the virgin birth and the Messiah's coming. And he said to Abraham, he said, look and retell the story of the stars. If indeed you can still retell it because it had been so... <sighs> corrupted by then, so corrupted by then, if you can indeed look, and this I promise to you, that he would be promised the seed line of the Messiah would come through him. That Abraham, Jesus, who is the promised seed that God promised Abraham, the Pharisees have the audacity to turn to Jesus and say, Abraham is our father, as they deny him, as they deny Jesus. And Jesus says this, he says, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. Verse 40, as it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. Quite the opposite. Verse 41, you are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself, Jesus said to them, verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me. If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Verse 43. Why is my language not clear to you? Does anybody feel like that often these days? Guess what? You're not alone. You're in, the pres you're in good company in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Unable to hear. Why? Verse 44, he says, because you belong to your father, the devil, the adversary, Hasatan, and you want to carry out 
your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Verse 45, yet because I tell you the truth, because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Verse 46, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Verse 47, whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason that you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. What do light and dark have in common, church? Pray for these people. Pray for these people, church. They're deceived. They are deceived. Whether they are manipulators, whether they are scoffers, whether they're crooked politicians, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. It's it's certainly a sign of maturity when you get sick to your stomach seeing these people on TV, yet you see them for what they are, deceived, and you pray for them. The liar has a foothold of deception in their hearts. We have to see this and understand this. Pray that they would know the truth because they quite possibly think that they're doing a good thing. As a matter of fact, uh, John 16, last verse for tonight, John 16, verse two, it says, Jesus says, they will put to the Jews. He says, uh, they'll put you out of the synagogue. And I'm speaking not, this is removed, I'm not, it's, the context is to the Jews. He's speaking to the apostles and he's talking about the Pharisees after they will put you out of the synagogue and they did, okay? So this is a direct prophecy, uh, but it also speaks of the nature of the spirit of the age. That's why I'm referencing it and not reading the whole paragraph. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering service to God. And indeed, that did come to pass, as even uh, the apostle Paul, before God had kicked him off his high horse on the road to Damascus, right? Before he was Paul and he was Saul, he stood by approving of the stoning of Stephen and other disciples that were Jewish. So the synagogue comment makes perfect sense to whom he's speaking in the context he's speaking. But more than anything, that is the same spirit of the age that was there then deceiving and working through them. The same Hasatan, the same adversary then is the same as he is now. He's just, instead of using the Pharisees, he's using politician, different politicians. The Pharisees were just politicians, and, but they, they wore a, a false robe of righteousness because of their religious uh, uh, standing that they held in the community. <sighs> they'll kill you and they'll think they're doing it for God. Did anybody see the governor of New York? If you didn't see the governor of New York's speech about the vaccine yesterday, look it up. It was demonic. It was, uh, if you are a true believer, Holy Spirit-led believer of Jesus Christ, I, <laughs> ridiculing to ridicule, talk about derision and talking down, right? To ridicule and deride people for not giving, getting the vaccine and to say that God wants them to get the vaccine. Very, very uh, funny and hypocritical uh, considering, considering this is the party that took God out of the Pledge of Allegiance at their, uh, at their uh, democratic uh, convention, right? Out of the Pledge of Allegiance. Under God, stricken. We'll close tonight, right on an hour. How about that? There's a battle. There's a battle of light and darkness that is being waged all around us on every level, every day. Life and death. 
truth, and lies. Are you tired of lies? I think we all are at this point, right? Let me encourage you. Truth will have its day. Truth will have its say. And in the meantime, be its advocate. Be its advocate. Don't be complicit in half-truths. Can you do me that favor? Don't be complicit in half-truths. Ah, oh, man, our stuff is down. I want to see if I found this quote. Let me look. I think I had this great quote for you guys that I want to, here it is. I want to leave you with this. If I can just find it. There it is. Martin Luther King said this. He said, the day we see the truth and cease to speak is the day we begin to die. Powerful. Don't be complicit in half-truths or in deception in your own life. You can start right there, okay? You can start right there. Don't let that snake in the door. Do you understand me? Do you hear me? Say that in love. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. With every eye closed and every head bowed, right there in your living room, right there on the park bench, wherever you might be, if the Lord is bringing conviction to your spirit, I want you to humbly bow your heart before him tonight. And I want, you to, I want you to lay down what you need to lay down. I need you to make him whatever commitment you need to make him. Maybe you have been silence when the Holy Spirit is shouting out inside of you to say something, to speak the truth, to stand for the truth. Whatever ridicule may come, but you, have been, you haven't had the courage to do that. Whatever it is, it is imperative now more than ever that you speak the truth, come what may, don't shirk the responsibility of standing for it and speaking out for it. If that's you, whatever it is, I want you to bow before your king, the king of kings, Lord Jesus. I want you to lay it as feet. I want you to make that profession, that confession tonight. Tomorrow's a new day. As a matter of fact, you may be getting a phone call from a family member or friend here in the, inside the next hour that you're going to have an opportunity again to speak truth. You need to do it, not only for you, for the sake of Jesus, for standing for him, but for the sake of those who are deceived. That well, I'm telling you one day, one day, the truth will have its say. And those who have been proponents and advocates for wickedness, you, they're going to have to face something you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. And in that moment, you don't want to look back on the time and the chance that you had to share the truth with them. Even if they, you think there's no way they'll receive it, maybe just the seed will be planted. And maybe somebody else comes along tomorrow or next week to water it. And then somebody else comes along and, just, and the Lord using all of that breaks through to them. I don't know who I'm talking to. If that's you here tonight, let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. We love you. We thank you that you, re you reveal deceit before us, God. We thank you that the plans that the enemy has for us, God, to conquer us, to rule us, to deride us, to ridicule us, Lord Jesus, to persecute us, that in the end, their plans will come to naught because our salvation eternally is firmly secured in your hands by faith, not works. You have made us righteousness. It is a gift from God that no man should boast, Lord. So we say, thank you, God. Thank you. Give us the strength, Lord, the boldness that we need, God, the words to speak, Lord, the words to speak, that we could do our part in whatever small way it is, Lord. We just want to serve. We want to be obedient to serve the kingdom, to be your ambassadors here while we are here, while we wait on your return, our blessed hope, Lord Jesus. And we pray, come quickly, Maranatha, Lord Jesus.
Oh, in Jesus' name. And if anybody here is listening and you've never given your heart, you've never surrendered your life to him, you've, here's all it is. You just put your faith and trust in him that he is God, that he did die on a cross for your sin, that he did this book prophesies the future in advance. It hangs its entire credibility on the fact that it predicts events before they happen. And it does. Put your trust in him, that he is who he says he is, that the word is his word, and that he paid it all for you. That when you, when you die, you won't have to answer for sins because he already answered them for you. If you've never done that and you've never had that conversation with him and put that trust in him, you can do it right now. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're God. I believe that you love me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin and I believe you rose from the grave on the third day. I believe that by faith in you, that you have secured my eternity. I'm yours. Make me yours, Lord Jesus. Make me new. Come into my heart. Seal my heart with the promise of the Holy Spirit that guarantees my inheritance in the kingdom of God that is from you because I am yours because I love you. And I believe you did that for me and I love you for it and I thank you for it. Say that prayer with all your heart in Jesus' name, amen. And if you said that prayer, please send us a message so we can celebrate with you and celebrate with all the angels in heaven and, and, and help you in, as far as explaining what's next, all right? May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you, pour his favor, his grace, and his love out on your life. May he go before you, follow after you, walk alongside of you, and may you prosper in all you do in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much. We love you guys.